0: And here we go. Shalom Alachim, Shalom, everyone. Glad to be with you again as we venture in again to the study that we have been into for some time and uh, climbing the ladder, or better yet, changing the way we think. That's the main thing. And uh, we've we've actually come a very, very long way and used as a basic textbook, uh, The Shadow of the Ladder, written by, actually translated, Uh, by Mark and Yadidia Cohen and the reason I like this particular book I mean we can find Rabbi Ashlag's uh, the Bal HaSulam stuff in a lot of different places but I like their particular layout because they gave us just enough just exactly what we needed both from his introduction to the study of the Zohar and now something we've been working in for some time his introduction to the study of the 10 Sephirot and we haven't even really talked about the Sephirot very much yet but we he will eventually begin to mention them a little bit. And uh and at least I think he will. I'm I'm not sure. Maybe I've lost my mind, maybe we already have actually talked about them. We don't have very much left to finish here, but uh but we have a lot of work that has to be done and, and has to be added in. And then at the very end of this particular class that we're doing using this book I would like to to go to his uh, glossary where they take certain things, key concepts and everything, go back over them, all of us together, and uh, so that we can remind ourselves of the entire series. Anyway, let's pick up where we left off, and and in order to do that and for it to make sense to us, we need to refresh ourselves. uh, The last thing that we talked about, we were talking about the Torah and how it's you know, we have four worlds, and he wants to, Rabbi Ashlag wants to share with us something about that tonight. The highest level, actually we have five worlds, but we don't talk about Adam Kadmon because it's next to the Ein Sof, if you will. It's like the very first filter, and it's so close to the Ein Sof that, uh, that we don't talk too much about it. There's a lot of things we actually do know about the world of Adam Kadmon. Adam Kadmon, let's just put it this way. It's the world of, um, uh, another word that the Kabbalists use, is efsharut. It's the world of possibilities. And then all the possibilities that could possibly be, in other words, are in the world of Adam Kadmon. And then the next level is what's called atsilut, which means next to. The next one, Briah, which is the world of creation. Then yetzirah, the world of formation. And finally, asiyah, the world of doing, the world of action, which is the physical world that we live in also with a spiritual side to it anyway so he was telling us talking about the garments of the Torah and the garments of the Torah in this world and he left off with us talking making sure we understood the point that there is no difference at all between the Torah of Atsilut the highest world where the Torah and God are obviously one and the Torah of this world where that's not so obvious he says the only difference lies in the garments it's the garments of this world that conceal God and hide him for instance taking the Torah and let's say reading the story of Noah and thinking that everything in the story of Noah is just that it's just a story that it's just a story about this guy who lived a long time ago who Hashem told to build an ark and and that that's basically all that it is we don't understand that that story of Noah is in another garment in the world of Yetzirah and it's in a different garment in the world of Briah, and finally at the very root of it in the world of Atzilut, it's in a totally different garment and this is the idea this is what he's trying to get across to us so he says the only difference lies in the garments it is the garments of this world that conceal God and hide him and he reminded us he said you should know that by virtue of, of Hashem's being clothed in the Torah, meaning the instruction, that God is known as Moreh. Moreh is the word for teacher. And by the way, if I would get energetic and put these things up in Hebrew, you could actually see that Moreh, teacher, is also coming from the exact same root in Hebrew as Torah. So we see how how we come to the word Moreh. It's coming from the same thing. Uh, it means teacher. It means instruction, just as the Torah does. Uh, by the way, a lot of uh, the root of all of that is actually very interesting. Uh, I remember doing a study with Rabbi Shimon um, um, or Shimshon, Rabbi Shimshon uh, Rafael Hirsch, uh, one time, where he showed and proved that the root in Hebrew of the word for Torah is actually the word in Hebrew for to get pregnant very interesting because that actually is the idea is that from the study of the Torah it puts something into us, God's light into us and literally makes us pregnant in the sense that we we bear something, something grows in us and it comes out a, 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 we come out a completely different creature, a completely new person and that's the idea so uh... and that's actually what a teacher does a teacher is doing what? He is trying his very best to take some knowledge, some some kind of level of enlightenment, and put it in the students so that it will then develop into something and grow them into, into a, another level of a person. That really is what's going on. Anyway, he says, uh, excuse me, let me find my place. I get carried away sometimes. He said, this is to inform us that at the time of single and even double concealment, God is present and enclosed with within the Torah. For God is the Moray. Now, when He talks about double and single concealment, remember what that is. That's a level of not understanding God's providence. In other words, double concealment is we totally don't see Him in the world at all. He's so complete in this world. He's so completely hidden from us. That we have strange notions. We have notions like that. Well, maybe, maybe God did create the universe, but then He just set up some natural laws, and this is the way they work. And He's on vacation. He took a vacation for a while, and eventually, he, maybe He'll show back up. Or we have, or, or we don't even think there's think there's a God. We're a total atheist, and we think the entire universe operates according to just some natural laws that just happen to come about. That's really double concealment. Single concealment, if you remember, is, well, you believe in God, and you think maybe God did that. Especially we think that if it's something really nice, and we always hear people will say things like, oh, that's a God thing. But that's still, when people say that, that's still evidence that they are in, to tell you the truth, single concealment. Because everything is a God thing. He is doing everything. He is behind everything. And for for certain he is present and enclosed within the Torah, even though the Torah conceals him, too, in this world, the coarse garments. That's the next point he wants to make. The coarse garments of the Torah of our world, he says, act like wings that cover and conceal the the teacher, blessed is he, who is enclosed and concealed by them. But when a person merits the revelation of God's face... And this is, you remember that big study we did on understanding divine providence, and we'll work on it again. But this is the next level out of single, actually it's the last level, the very last level. When a person merits the revelation of, of God's face through the transformation of the love of God, and there's four levels to that, so in its fourth level, then it is said of him, your teacher will no longer be covered over by wings and your eyes will see your teacher. A quote from Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 20. And from then onwards, if you reach that point where you're, you're really understanding, your consciousness is understanding God's providence from that fourth level of love, then the garments of the Torah, meaning the garments in this world, no longer conceal the teacher. And it is revealed to the person for eternity that the Torah and God are one. This is not, this is actually an amazing, unbelievable level. That is the level of, of the great Sadikim. Uh, and of the great Kabbalists, this is what they are, and this is why they can take a story from the Torah, like the story of Moses, or, or of Noah, of Noach. They can take his story, and they can show us what is going on in the world of Atzilut, the highest level. What, is, what, what does that? What is that representing? When Noah is doing this, what's going on in the world of Atzilut? that the connection between them, because we know that everything in the physical universe is connected to the roots at the highest level. It's coming down to us. If you remember those old lessons we did from Derek Hashem from the Ramchal, it's coming down to us like an upside down tree. What we have here in this world are the branches of the tree, but those branches are connected to a root. And the root is, if we look at a tree, what do we see of it? We see its trunk, and we see its we see its uh, uh, branches and its leaves but that's what's revealed the main part of the tree, the most important part of the tree, the, the part that the tree it wouldn't be there if it wasn't for this part is under the ground and it's unseen and that's the roots and that is exactly the way this universe works this world works connected to the spiritual universes that are above us it's just upside down, the roots are there above us And what's revealed to us is the trunk, the coarse garments, the trunk and the bark, and we're really not even seeing what's going on inside the tree. That's a whole different level. Anyway, all right. He goes on. He says, uh, from then onwards, they no longer conceal the teacher. Okay, let's go on uh, and try to start. Now, this is actually up until there. We talked about it the last time we were together. That was just to get our heads in the right direction train of thought and in the right gear in his very next paragraph he says from this and, and this is actually probably what we should have ended with we should have done one more paragraph the last time but from all of this he says you can understand the comment of the sages of Hazal where they comment on this scripture forsake me but keep my Torah and the sages explain that this means if only you would forsake me but keep my Torah for the light which is in it will transform you he says on a superficial level this is a very surprising statement what what in the world what is God saying forsake me but keep my Torah however he says the sages are referring to people who fast and afflict themselves in an effort trying to force trying to induce a revelation of God's face He says, they desire the nearness of God. And they say, and this is all in Isaiah 58. They say, why have we fasted and you don't see it? And we have afflicted our souls and you don't even take a notice of it. And then they are told in the name of God, please forsake me. For all your striving is worthless and useless. Why? Because I am only to be found in the Torah. Therefore, observe the Torah and seek me in it. For the light within it will bring you back to the good way. As it is written, Proverbs 8.17, 8 uh, 17, 8.17, Those who seek me will find me. Unbelievable. Anyway, that was, that was actually Rabbi Ashlag's concluding thought on what we were talking about the last time. Now we're going to enter a little bit different level of the study. <coughs> he says, Now it's possible to explain... The essence, and already we know as soon as he says the essence of the wisdom of the Kabbalah, we know we have a very big subject. But he is going to give us the essence of it in, in what he has left to say here. He's, at least to a small degree, he says. In a way that is sufficient for a reliable person, uh, or, or a reliable understanding, excuse me, a reliable understanding of the quality of this wisdom. What is, what is it? What is its quality? And in this manner, he, he stresses this, a person will not be misled by false images such as many people imagine. Okay, let's stop there for just a second because I know a lot of people who get into lots of studies of Kabbalah and they can take. And, and we do use diagrams and, we ha- and because we have to and we have to use illustrations and all of those things. But we also have to, at the same time that we're using the diagrams and everything, we have to understand that these are not a physical thing they're just an analogy in fact the Kabbalah is so unbelievably connected to Hashem that there's no language for us to to even begin to understand it unless we can unless we can employ physical analogies that we know in this physical world but at the same time we have to understand you remember or remember Remember what Rabbi Ashlag said. What actually is Kabbalah? He says it's the language of the branches, and what he means by that is that when a Kabbalist gives you an analogy from the physical world, or when he, or when he uses particular particular words that we associate uh, maybe with an animal, or maybe with a, or maybe with grass or or natural phenomenon, that that those words that he is using. They actually tie directly to the root in the world of Atzilut above, and that's the difference. So, but we have to we have to use physical analogies in order to be able to understand it in our heads. But at the same time, as he is saying here, we cannot be misled by false images. All right. So uh, he he cautions us always against thinking. You know that like when we diagram the Ten wrote, he cautions us against thinking that. That these ten spheres are really ten big spheres floating around somewhere in some world above us. Uh, that we make a physical, literally a physical image of them. Uh, and he he says that borders actually on idolatry, on on or on making a graven image, even just in our head. So we do have to use the images, and we do have to use the analogies, but we have to understand that they are standing for spiritual concepts that exist in the universe. Okay, all right just just a note there because uh uh that that can be one of the dangers of studying this area without a teacher without an instructor who knows this and who is sure to point it out to you all the time okay and we can cuz we can sometimes get ourselves in a mess okay now here we go big subject and uh i walked right out from my house and forgot the other book that i needed to bring to discuss this subject from uh ravyatsuk ginzburg so probably the next time we're together, I will, we will add some more in from him on these concepts, okay, that he's going to talk about. So let him begin to explain. He said, you should know that the Holy Torah has four different aspects uh, which embrace the whole of reality, in everything of reality. The first three are called, and they are simply called, world, year, and soul. And the fourth aspect is the many ways in which these first three aspects can combine themselves in different circumstances. And y'all are all intelligent people. I'm sure I don't have to give you thousands of illustrations for this. You can see this. All right? But let's understand what is meant by world, year, and soul. World. He says, the outermost aspect of reality, the outermost comprises the sky and the land masses, the earth and the waters and so on. In other words, all of these physical phenomena that are, that exist and these physical things that exist that make up our physical world. He says, this is what the Holy Torah calls world. The inner aspect of this reality comprises man, the animals, the birds, the beasts, according to their species. Which are mentioned in the Torah. And these. Are, in other words all the living beings. All the things that are truly alive. Uh, in that sense. These are called soul. Now he says all of the causal factors. Mentioned in the Torah. Uh, excuse me. All of the causal factors mentioned in the Torah. In the sense of cause and effect. Now he gives an example here. His example is the chain of generations that started from Adam. Adam HaRishon until Yehoshua and Caleb okay Joshua and Caleb who entered the promised land they are called year and what he is meaning there by cause and effect he says the father representing the cause and the son representing the effect so in other words a passage of time in which we see cause and effect occur that makes a continuation to a passage of time this is the idea of year so we have world the physical, the outermost aspect, the physical aspect. We have soul, the innermost aspect uh, of life of living souls, and then we have year, the the uh, the aspect of time, okay, and the aspect of cause and effect through time. He says this causal aspect of reality is called year, and all the various ways in which both the outer and the inner aspects of reality, how they function and combine that are discussed in the Torah, they are actually, that's the fourth aspect, and that is known as the existence of reality. So, in other words, world, soul, and year, these three things, and we can group everything in one of them, all right? Their combinations and how they interact with each other, this is what makes the fourth aspect, and that is the existence of all reality. Now, somebody says, you know, so so what's important What's important about this? We'll understand. The more the more you actually begin to study Kabbalah, the more you understand. If you ever get into any of the writings of the great Baal Shem Tov and the Kabbalah of the Baal Shem Tov, he is always seeing everything in these ways. In fact, the Hebrew alphabet, if we do a study, and this is what I wanted to pull some things from Rav Ginsburg from, uh, and and we will, with God's help if I don't forget again with God's help we'll, we'll do it but it has to do with how every letter of the Hebrew alphabet it exists in all three of these realities and then a fourth by the combinations so there is a there is an aspect of the of the Hebrew alphabet of every, or of every letter that belongs to world there is an aspect that belongs to soul there is an aspect that belongs to year and those combinations that are made of those three different aspects in the letters that's what makes up the existence of reality. That's how our world actually exists. Okay, let's go on. Now he says you should know in Kabbalah the four worlds, and again there's a fifth one, but we don't we don't talk so much about it. Um, I, I I did a I think a lecture on it in some place one time where we did talk a lot about the world of Adam Kadmon, but the the bottom line is is we don't know know so much about it. Other than that, uh, in that level, everything is so still so united. It's so there's not any diversification in it. Uh, It's the world of well, we say the world of Atzilut is thought, and and uh, the world of Adam Kadmon would be will uh, in that sense. Um, So let's just talk. Rabbi Ashlag only wants to talk about the these four worlds, and those four worlds are Atzilut and the meaning. As next to, adjacent to, near to, etzel. If something is etzel, it's, it's by you. Okay. Briah simply means creation. Yetzirah is formation. And Asiyah is the world of action, the physical world, the spiritual physical world of action, making, doing that we exist in as souls and bodies. All right? These worlds, he says, emanate one from another, just as a seal embeds its impression in wax. Now that's the example he's giving. I'm going to give you another one. (laughs) Uh, And everything which is found in the seal is then found in the impression of the wax to which the seal was applied, without any feature being added or subtracted. And it is the same for the unfolding of the worlds. All the four aspects, he says, of the world of absolute, the highest level that is called world, year, and soul, and their various combinations which are called the existence of reality, they are transferred like a seal with its impression to the world of Briah, And then from the world of Briah they are transferred like a seal again to the world of Yetzirah. And then from the world of Yetzirah they're transferred again with it like a seal down to the in wax down to the world of Asiyah. Now remember in previous studies we found that this step-down system of universes, of worlds, of different levels of reality, they all have to do with with bringing Hashem's light down to us in a form that we can actually use, that we can actually begin to understand, that we can actually begin to know Him. And even though every level, every world, He becomes more, Hashem becomes more and more concealed. Okay? See, He is completely open in the world of Atzilut, there's, there's no being in the world of Atzilut without being conscious 100% of the time of Hashem and seeing Him absolutely in everything. In the world of Briah, he is a little bit more concealed. In the world of Yetzirah, he is even more concealed. Until finally we come to the world of Asiyah, in the lowest level of Asiyah, this physical world, where he is completely concealed. I mean, he is hiding in the universe. It's like a hide-and-seek game with him. My rabbi, Rabbi Chaim Richman, used to say, uh, he used to talk about the invisible man. (laughs) And uh, he said, you know, the Invisible Man, if you remember all of those old movies, if any of you are old enough to remember them, of the Invisible Man, you never knew the Invisible Man was there until he put on his overcoat. And Rabbi Richmond used to say, the universe, even, yes, even our physical universe, the stars, the earth, the sky, the the physical powers of the universe, uh, everything, that is Hashem's overcoat. And that is actually the the way we can recognize him here, because this is the overcoat he is wearing, but that overcoat, that garment, hides him. And so it looks like in this world that everything is happening in some kind of natural manner. Everything is happening because of the laws of physics or the laws of chemistry and all of this. Well, they are, of course, but Hashem himself is the inventor of all these laws, and he is in all of them, and he is... This is his overcoat. This is the way we can see him here. That's that's the idea. Now, I put up here where it says, These worlds emanate one from another just as a seal embeds its impression in wax. Uh, this was a, this was something obviously well known to Rabbi, Rabbi Yehudulev Ashlag, the Baal HaSulam. And then he said, And everything which is found in the seal is then found in the impression, without any feature being added or subtracted. And then I put in parentheses there, carbon copies. I don't know if any of you are old enough to remember carbon copies or if any of you actually worked like as a secretary and had to make carbon copies uh, of certain things. But if you do four carbon copies, all right, and you look at the original, and this is exactly, this is very much exactly the idea of how these universes are working. If, If you look at the original, it is very fine. It is very sharp uh you can see every detail of every letter that you typed all right and and there's no i mean uh, there's no mistaking anything and then you look at the second carbon copy and it's readable you can read it you can a- absolutely everything is there but there are little there are little uh dots <laughs> okay there yeah there and, and it's it's a little smudgier it's not as sharp and if you look at the third one it's a little worse, even though it's still readable in the fourth one. It's still readable, but it's not like the first one, not like the original. This is the idea of this step-down system. And this is also a very good illustration of how Hashem becomes, suddenly becomes, in the world of Asiyah, he becomes hidden. He's fuzzy. He's, uh, uh, he, he is wearing an overcoat. Okay, all right alright, let's go on, we get the idea I think we get the idea now I just have to find myself so I know where I'm at, (laughs) okay he says thus all three aspects of reality that we experience in this world, which are called world, year and soul together with all of their combinations, are derived and come into this world from the world of Yetzirah, alright they come into Yetzirah from the world above it, in such a and that's the world of Briah. In such a way that the source of everything, of everything in this physical world, the source of it, the root, the roots of everything, is found in Atzilut. So everything that we have, all these world, year, soul aspects, together with all their combinations, they come to us directly. The the, the better carbon copy is in the world of Yetzirah. And then from Yetzirah, it's from the world of Briah. And then from Briah, from the world of Atzilut, And that's the, uh, the original type right there. So that the roots of everything in this physical world are actually coming down to us. They are found in the world of Atzilut. Now look what he's talking about. We're saying, what, what does that mean? Well, his illustration is unbelievable. I, I've always given a different one. That, uh, but it means that everything, like even the physical powers that we see, like the power of wind the power or rain, all of these physical phenomena that we know, their roots, their roots are there and uh, in the world of Atsilut. But look at his, look at his illustration, his example. Even brand new inventions like we have in the world today. I was just having a conversation with somebody down the hall in my office today and we were talking about the calm world before cell phones and of course none of us can live I mean and it happened in Israel much sooner than it happened in the United States this phenomenon was going on I think because a lot of the technology was actually developed there and this kind of phenomenon was going on a couple of years before it actually got really kicked off in the United States but um, now we can't live without cell phones every Israeli I know has has sometimes two, three cell phones on them all the time and uh, and it's a little bit crazy. Personally, I enjoyed the world before cell phones. Uh, yes, we're in the world of Asiyah. Yeah, Did Alan and Eileen. Th- these worlds, and I should have illustrated them for you. It's it j- just an illustration. So we have, if we have, have on the bottom level the world of Asiyah, above that is the world of Yetzirah. Okay. Then above that, Briah. Then above that, Atzilut. And above that is Adam Kodmon and then on the other side of Adam Kodmon is the Ansel. Okay. Uh Asiya is a is a Hebrew word which simply means making, doing, action. Ose in Hebrew means uh, you know, if I call you and ask what are you doing, I would say Mata Ose. Uh What are you doing? Ose. What action are you are you doing? Okay? Anyway. What Rabbi Ashlag is telling us, even brand new inventions, so the cell phone, which never existed previously in our world, where did that come from? This is a concept that we, that we, that if we're going to advance in these studies, we have to get a hold of. It didn't come because some person actually thought of it. It actually existed, it was first in the world of Atsilut, and then it was like a Carbon paper passed down to Briah, then passed down to Yetzirah, and then passed down to someone with a with a flash of insight in this world and revealed in this world. That's the idea. Uh, listen, we could talk a whole lot about this because uh, something that goes along with this is is the idea of Shefa. Shefa means the abundance, the abundant flow. Uh, of the light of Hashem to this world and we have to have it otherwise this world would go out of existence but it's coming down through this system from at, at, at Silut, the world next to Him to creation, to formation, to doing and the connection point between this physical world of Asiyah and the world of Atzilut above us, the highest universe above us, that connection point is the Temple Mount And even more specifically, the top of Mount Moriah, which is the site of the altar. Literally, the site of the altar, including uh, a few feet from it, the site of the Holy of Holies. That is the connection. This is what makes the temple so extremely important. So we haven't seen anything. We absolutely haven't seen anything. If the temple, if the holy temple is rebuilt, and we reestablish... Uh, this connection between heaven and earth i mean the connection is still there and there's reasons for that but it's like the ramchal explains it he 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 also wrote a book called the secrets of redemption which is a very very interesting little book and uh and, and he also wrote a book on the Mishkan Elyon explaining the explaining entirely the concept we're talking about right now about the connection points in the Shefa and the temple the temple uh in heaven and its connection to the temple here. But if we reestablish the holy temple, we haven't even begun to see how good this physical world can be. We 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 don't even have a clue. We don't have a clue about the technological developments that can happen. We don't have a clue about the intellectual developments that can happen. About the spiritual level of everyone on the face of the earth. About the uh, the food supply. You know, the rabbis say in the Talmud, they say something very interesting. That when the temple was destroyed, all the fruits and vegetables in the world lost their flavor. And this is the idea. Because the destruction of the temple inhibited that flow coming from the world of Atsilu Anyway, yeah, yeah, it's an amazing thing. So, Rabbi, Rabbi Ashlag is just trying to tell us... This, this idea, this is where everything is coming from and Chazal, he quotes now from Chazal, from the sages of Israel where they say, there is not a single blade of grass that does not have an angel and a guide above who beats it and tells it to grow and then they, and this is from Breshit Rabbah Midrash and then quoting from the Talmud in Chulin 7b they say, a man cannot even bang his finger in this world Unless it has first been proclaimed above that he will do so. Now, these are two ways that the sages give an example uh, uh, or, or an allegory of how the universes operate, how they all operate together, and how everything that is coming to us is coming from the roots of those higher worlds. And not only that, what's the root of the highest world? It's Hashem himself. And this is why you will find the statement among the sages many, many times that everything is coming from Hashem. Or you will hear them say, Hashem is doing everything. <laughs> because it, honestly, it is all coming from Him. Okay. <laughs> well, to, to understand that, path, then we have to understand uh, what we need to do. Or what's going on with that, or what we need to do, because a human being is the only thing that can actually move a root. All right, our thoughts, our speech, our action can can actually move things around up there. Like like the Ramchal talks about, he he gives he doesn't use this word. This is my word, but really human beings are the wild card in the universe. Um, and we'll go back to that idea again, again and again. Okay. Let's go on, uh, or we're not going to get very much farther. I'm getting carried away on a few things. So let's go back to the idea of these three aspects of reality, world year year, and so. And the Baal HaSulam tells us, so you should know. I'm sorry for those of you who have the book, by the way. I'm on page 192 now in paragraph 145. He says, so you should know that the Torah is enclosed. Within these three aspects of reality, world, year, and soul, plus all their myriad combinations in this world, in this material world. And it is from here that the matter of of the forbidden and the unclean, which are spoken of in the revealed Torah, is derived. From what? From these garments that they wear, these three aspects of reality in this physical world, of world, year, and soul, plus all the combinations. Alright? right. God is, in, is still, God, but still God is enclosed. enclosed. Hashem is enclothed in this Torah according to the principle that Hashem and the Torah are one, albeit, but in great concealment and hiddenness. And the material garments that the Torah is clothed in, they are the wings that cover and conceal Him. Blessed be He. However, He says, the enclothing of the Torah in the purer aspects of world, year, and soul, and their combinations, as they manifest in the three higher worlds of Atzilut, Briya and Yetzirah, they appear in this world as the wisdom of the Kabbalah. Now, remember what he was, we've already forgotten what he first started to tell us. He wanted to tell us about something about the essence of the wisdom of the Kabbalah in this world. And this is actually why we study it. One of the reasons is because the enclothing of the torah in the purer aspects not in the coarse garments down here but in the purer aspects of world year to year and soul and all of their combinations as they are manifest in those three higher worlds this is what this is the essence of the wisdom of the kabbalah so if i if i'm if i was a great tzaddik, i'm not but if i was and I was meditating on the story of Noah and the Ark and the Mabul, the flood. I would be able to connect what's behind this, what is this, what is are these actions representing in the world of Yetzirah? What are they representing? What's going on that's behind this in the world of Briah? And what's going on at the highest level, the world of Atzilut? That is what the wisdom of the Kabbalah actually is. And part of that, what he is trying to get across to us, is simply that we know, the essence of it is just that we know that that is the way it works, that nothing is happening here in and of itself, it's coming to us from these other worlds. However, as the Ramchal warns us, what we think, what we say, what we do, that goes back up that goes back up the branch back up the trunk back to the root and it either pollutes it or it clothes it in holiness we either add you remember those those lessons from the ramchal where he shows that we either add everything we think say or do we either add to the side of holiness or we add to the side of uncleanness and adding to the side of uncleanness is like it's a toxic thing it's extremely toxic And then that is then reflected back into this world, coming right back down from the root, through the trunk, back down into the branches. So we wonder why things are in such bad shape, and we have no idea, (laughs) we have no idea that it's what we think, and what we say, and what we do. That the collective effort of the entire universe (laughs) is based on whether mankind is thinking Hashem and speaking Hashem and not speaking Lashon Hara and doing the Torah thinking saying and doing Torah this adds to the side of holiness or or should we say wholesomeness this is very wholesome for everything or we're doing the other we're breaking the Torah we're going against the Torah and then we're adding to the side of uncleanness or literally pollution so we pollute everything with what we think say and do so Absolutely, Pat. This can be a kind of pardes. (laughs) And actually, Rabbi Ashlag is going to mention that in just just a few pages, I think, or a few paragraphs. Okay, let me get back to him. Because what he has to say is very important. Let's go back and follow his train of thought. So let's just get that this is the essence. The essence is that the Torah, and if you've ever been uh, lucky enough to sit with someone... Who uh, Who is a, a real master of Kabbalah and sit with them and study the Zohar, even just a page of the Zohar. You see that the Zohar is constantly, this is what the Zohar is actually doing. It is taking the words of the Torah and it is making the connection uh, between the higher worlds that are above us and how they are all connected. Okay. Now, he says, so the wisdom of Kabbalah and that of revealed Torah are actually one. Now remember what he means by revealed Torah. Revealed Torah is okay, so thou shalt not steal. Revealed Torah, and we can understand that on a simple literal level. But you know, one person's understanding of theft might not be another's. (laughs) So we actually have, this is why we have to have the the sages of Israel to come and define for us exactly what it is that, what is it that Does it mean to steal? But that's revealed Torah, okay? Are any of the mitzvot, any of the positive or the negative mitzvot, this is revealed Torah. We can understand what we have to do in order to fulfill them. But the wisdom of the Kabbalah, he is trying to tell us, and that of the revealed Torah, they are actually one. All right? However, he says, when a person is in the state of consciousness of the concealment of Hashem's face... Then he or she finds that Hashem is likewise concealed by the Torah. Did we catch really what he's saying here? It's really something. If we are if if we are in a state of concealment, if we if we don't know, if we haven't made the connection, that all of these universes are connected and everything is coming from Hashem and that Hashem is divine providence is going on constantly at every level of everything. Then when we begin to look in the Torah all we see are commandments, a bunch of don'ts and a bunch of do's. or All we see are a bunch of quaint stories about people who lived long ago. And Hashem is concealed by the Torah. And he goes on and he says that this kind of person, when, a, when a, under these circumstances, when a person studies the revealed Torah, he or she cannot receive the light of the Torah which pertains to Yetzirah, even just to the world above us. And certainly, he says, not that which pertains to a higher level. I hope we get what he's saying, because, listen, I run into this, and I and I hate to admit it, but I run into it in the Jewish world a lot. And I also run it in, into it uh, in the world of, uh, of, certainly in the world of Christianity, if I'm dealing with Christians, I run into this this whole thing a lot. But I also run into it even in the world of B'nai Noach, uh, because simply because, and this is why I'm pounding on this nail, and I know maybe you get tired of hearing me pound on it, but I can't help it. Uh, this is why this this changing the way that we think from a Western way of thinking, where we think everything is operating independently, uh, and where people can even think that you know that there's there's actually some big bad angel running around which has his own independent power. And can do anything that he wants to, and, and is almost as powerful as Hashem Himself. Uh, you know, th- this 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 is an idolatrous way of thinking. I hate to say it, but it is. Uh, it's 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 not just the attitude; it's the way of thinking. That's what I'm trying to get across. Uh, we cannot think in these disconnected levels. In fact, actually, if you my personal <laughs> my personal definition of what is idolatry. My personal definition of what is idolatry is this. It's any time that we think that any power in the universe is operating in and of itself, apart from Hashem. That's what idolatry is. In fact, that's exactly the way idolatry developed. People uh, begin to look at the natural forces of the universe. And it's not that they didn't have knowledge of Hashem. They did have knowledge of Hashem. But they begin to look at the natural forces of the universe and they begin in their minds to consider them because all of these things are in, are under the control of angels uh, and they knew that and they begin to consider those forces as if they operated independently from Hashem and so they begin to serve those forces even maybe and they begin to do that even maybe in an effort uh, in an effort to honor Hashem. Because to tell you the truth, from Adam HaRishon, from the first Adam, every everyone knew these things that we're talking about now. They all knew knew that nothing operated for, apart from him. They all knew these, these concepts of of the of the universes above us and how they're carbon copies, and and everything else. But they began to to focus on the individual powers of the universe, where the, uh, no matter what that is, whether it's the, the sun coming up every morning and going down, or, or the moon going through the stages, or wind, or rain, or lightning, or whatever. And they begin to honor those powers as if they operated separately or independently from Hashem. And we do the same thing when we are thinking of the world that way. And it's not that way. And a person who is in Who is like that, they are certainly in concealment. Uh, Hashem's face is concealed from them. And then they find that when they do study Torah, they are likewise, Hashem is likewise concealed in the Torah because they can't receive the light of the Torah. They can't do it. Uh, There is a clipah, there is a shell there that prevents it. Uh, Much as another way is, uh, you know, um, that, that I know of, and I shouldn't get into this right now. But, but some level, you know, because people will tell Bnei Noach, you know, they tell you all kinds of things. Uh, certain rabbis are certain people who think they know, know what Judaism is and they think they know what the Torah is. And they also, unfortunately, are thinking in these concealed ways, in a, in a, in a consciousness of concealment, at least in my opinion. And, uh, you know, they'll tell you, you can't do that. You shouldn't. They'll even tell Bnei oh, you shouldn't keep kosher. Somebody has to be around. you know, God, God created all these hogs. Somebody has to be around to, to eat them. And I shudder when I hear such things. I, some, I almost just pass out. <laughs> uh, it's just unbelievable to me that they could say such a thing to you like that, because they don't even understand why Hashem told us we shouldn't eat, we shouldn't eat certain animals. And it's because those animals, if we if we know from Kabbalah, we know from Kabbalah, those particular animals, it's not that they're bad. Hashem didn't create anything that's bad. It's not that they're bad. It's but that they have a klipa, They have a shell that we cannot use them. And they deposit in us part of their shell. Okay? Part of their klipah. And that klipah does not allow the light of Hashem, the light of the Torah, to penetrate us. Because I've taught classes for a very long time, you know, in in a lot of different groups, and sometimes you'll be going along perfectly and everything's fine. And suddenly, you know, you get to a certain point, and then, you know, half the class jumps up, and uh, they decide they they can't handle this anymore. I can almost guarantee you that the half of the class that jumps up, even after years of study, they are still eating things like hog meat and, and other things. Uh, they, they they won't keep just a basic level of kosher and just get hog out of their diet or maybe shellfish uh, or something else but they won't do it and because of that they can sit in my class and they get nothing and uh, they get something I, I, I don't mean to be so harsh they get something but they can't stand it. it it comes to a point where they can't stand it and they will abandon it So so all I'm telling you am I encouraging you to keep kosher of course I am Uh, not, not that you're under the obligation to keep the very strict culture that the Jews do, but at least to eat a a diet that's clean. I think it's, I think it's important to you. Uh, if you don't want to do that, I can't tell you that you're obligated to do it. That's correct. I can't, but, uh, but I think it's important just because of my experience in the matter. Anyway, we haven't gotten as far as I wanted. Let's get one more page here, or at least one more paragraph. He goes on, still talking about the Kabbalah and the revealed Torah. And he says, only when a person attains the consciousness, now we move from double concealment, single concealment, to the revelation of God's face. First you remember from the transformation from the fear of sin, and then the transformation from the love of God. So only when we get there, when we get a revelation of God's face, do the garments of the revealed Torah, meaning those coarse garments that we read the Torah in, to this day, they begin, he says, to become more transparent. Ah, now we can start to see things behind them. And the revealed Torah becomes one with the Torah of Yetzirah. Okay, he gives actually in the book, they translate just Yetzirah, and then he says, which is the wisdom of Kabbalah. But we know he's talking about every level. So, they they become more transparent, and what the revealed Torah now becomes one with the Torah of Yetzirah, and then it will become one with the Torah of Briah, and then of Atzilut. And he says, and this is the wisdom of Kabbalah. As for one, he says, who attains the level of the Torah of Atzilut, that highest level, guess what? The letters of the Torah, the Hebrew letters of the Torah, are in no way changed. It is just that these very same garments of the revealed Torah in this world have become transparent to the person and they no longer conceal Hashem. Wow. As it is written, again he quotes from Isaiah 30, and your teacher will no longer be covered by wings and your eyes will see your teacher. Thus, he says, that which is written in the Zohar, he, his life force, and his vessels are one is fulfilled. I'm sorry I didn't put that verse up. I, I simply left it out for some reason. So this is a quote from the Zohar where it says Hashem and his life force and his vessels are one. It's all one. Let's go on. I would like to I, I may I, I may just I don't know if I should tackle this or not. Yeah, let's let's try it. We may have to back up the next time we're together, especially because I have to skip next week, remember. I will be out of pocket uh and uh if I forget to tell you uh hog someak purim hogga or some purrim someak to each and every one of you next week uh and uh but I will be on the road next week, and I'll do my very best to be here actually i'll be in new New Mexico the week after that, but uh I should be able to uh start out from there in the morning and get back to here <laughs> so, surely by eight o'clock in the evening or nine o'clock. Uh, Eastern Time. So uh, I'll see you on the 18th, uh, the March the 18th, just in case I forget to tell you. Okay. Now, let's, let's look at this, he says, and, and get as much of this as we can because we need to look at it together and then we need to look at it together probably again the next time we're together. In order to understand this better, he says, I want to give you a practical example. As long as a person is in the state of concealment of God's face, Then the letters and the garments of the Torah conceal God. As a consequence of being in this state, the person inevitably stumbles into sin because he's concealed to them and because they're in some stage of concealment concerning his providence. So a person inevitably stumbles into sin. And then the person comes up against the prospect of the consequences of their actions. And then they have to deal with the coarse garments of the Torah being unclean, having done something forbidden, feeling and being defective he says and such like. However when the person becomes worthy of the revelation of God's providence and especially the transformation from the love for God then all of those arrogant acts, all those willful sins are changed remember into virtues they go into the side of the pan of merit I need to change the slide here we go he goes on all the sins and mistakes through which this person stumbled during the time when they lived under the concealment of Hashem's face they are now stripped from their coarse and extremely bitter garments they're not in that category of unclean anymore that's what he's talking about they're not in that category of being forbidden any of those things they are moved to the pan of merit and they are now dressed in garments of light, and in the mitzvot and merits. For it is these very same coarse garments themselves, which are transformed into virtues. In other words, what you, you understand what he's trying to say? When you come to the level of the love of God, you're not going to stumble. You're not going to be back there doing something that's in the forbidden. So now the negative, keeping the negative commandment of not doing, of, of not doing something that he is forbidden, that actually now is transformed into a virtue, it moves into the, to the merit, and they now have, he says, the aspect of garments that stem from the worlds of Atsilut, are from Briah, where they do not hide or conceal the teacher, blessed is he. On the contrary, he says, your eyes will see your teacher, that becomes a reality. Let's go on very quickly. I know we're about out of time. Give me the five minutes, okay? It must again, he says, be emphasized that there is no difference between the Torah of Atsilut and the Torah of this world. It's the same Torah. There is no difference also between the wisdom of Kabbalah and the revealed Torah. The only distinction lies in the perspective of the person who is studying it. Both deal with exactly the same principles. Both use exactly the same language. Nevertheless, he says, one will experience the Torah from the point of view of the wisdom of Kabbalah, the Torah of Atzalut, and another person will experience the Torah as revealed Torah, the Torah of Asiyah. Understand this well. So, basically, he's telling us, if somebody is still thinking in the old way, and they <laughs> uh, even though we would like to help them out of that, uh, but they're students of the Torah, that's good. Uh, because the revealed Torah and the wisdom of the Kabbalah is still the same. The only difference, the only distinction lies in the perspective of the person who is studying it. <coughs> Excuse me. This is a little bit of a warning from Rabbi Ashlag that we don't get a big head, you know, with all of those other people uh, who are who are still studying it and, and being very, uh, maybe, overly legalistic uh, or, or anything like that. And I use those words uh uh, uh, w- take that with a grain of salt, because I hate to use the word legalistic any time that we apply it to the Torah in any way, or especially to any of the Jewish people. That that's really just a, a misnomer. Okay, let's let's get the last one. This will be our this will be our last thing. In the light of this, he says we can understand how wise were the mar- remarks of the Vilna Gaon, the Gra, Rabbi Eliyahu who wrote that when we start studying Torah we usually first engage with its most hidden aspect. What? That is to say that we study the revealed Torah of Asiyah, in which God is completely hidden. Next, we study the level called Remez, hint, in which God is a little more revealed, and this is the Torah, by the way, of Yetzirah. Eventually, a person comes to the Torah in its simple meaning, Peshat, And this is pardes, I mean, but it's upside down. Just like the tree is upside down, this is upside down also. Uh, He he says, eventually a person comes to the Torah in its simple meaning. And this is the Torah of Atsilut, which is here called the simple meaning of the Torah, Peshat. And this is so because at this level, all the garments that conceal God are removed. And that's a Hebrew word, Hitpashet. Hitpashet comes from the exact same root as Peshat, meaning simple. But it actually means to take off your clothes, to remove remove your garments. Now, we'll need to come back to this. What he is actually saying is, people who study the Torah and think that the simple meaning of the text is when Abraham got up from Ur of the Chaldees and went to the land of Israel, the land of Canaan. That uh, that's the simple meaning of the text, all right. The gra, the Vilna Gaon is saying that's what we first study, and that is the 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 real hidden aspect of the Torah, because Hashem in that story is pretty much completely hidden. Next, he says we study the level called Remes where Hashem is a little more revealed but eventually a person comes to the Torah in its simple meaning and what the Gra meant by that was that eventually we come to the Kabbalistic meaning the Sod meaning because if we don't understand the Sod if we don't understand the secret if we don't understand the Torah of, of the world of Atzilut that highest level we also don't even begin to understand the literal simple meaning they are totally connected. And that's what he is saying. Uh so I hear that said from time to time, you know, people will come and, and they'll say, Oh, well you're studying Torah on some other level, and that's not the simple meaning. Actually that's not so. <laughs> the simple meaning is the highest meaning, and that really is the so okay and how they are connected. Alright. We're out of time. We'll be back together again march the eighteenth with God's help. Uh eight o'clock central time nine o'clock eastern time uh and uh i thank all of you very much for loving the torah and for loving hashem and for uh being willing to to go through sometimes this torture of changing the way that we think okay so tada rabbi and uh i hope to see you soon thank you so much and shalom uvrakadu peace and a blessing